Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome to Hollywood and Levine. Here's Ken Levine. Thank you, Randy Thomas. Boy, I have a real professional announcer introducing me. Welcome to Hollywood and Levine. This is episode 15. And Randy, by the way, is also going to be my guest this week. She is a voiceover artist. And among her many assignments, she was the booth announcer for the 2017 Academy Awards. So we will find out all of the behind the scenes, inside story on what really happened with that crazy ending when Warren Beatty couldn't figure out how to read a card. And, of course, Faye Dunaway was even dumber. We'll talk to her about that and a career in voiceover work. Because uh, once you get in, if you have the talent and you have the voice, you can make a lot of money, a lot of money, just by working 10 minutes or 15 minutes. Anyway, we'll be talking to Randy about that. Also, I'm going to be talking about uh, actors having to do promos. So a lot of good stuff coming up. This is episode 15 of Hollywood and Levine. From time to time, sitcom actors are asked to do promos either for the network or for local stations. And here are a couple of stories about shows that I was involved with. First of all, this is a MASH story. Season 7, I believe, is when 20th Century Fox, the company that produced MASH, rolled out the show into syndication. That September, it was going to be seen on 215 different local stations around the country. So one day after filming, they asked a number of the actors to stay behind and record promos for all 215 stations. And after a while, it just became alphabet soup. And you're watching these actors absolutely turn to mush. You know, you have Alan Alda going, Hi, this is Alan Alda, and you're watching WSBK Kenosha. Stay tuned for Eyewitness News with Noam Pitlick and Susie Cream Cheese. And hi, this is Alan Alda. You're watching KLLZ Channel 38 Pittsfield. Coming up, the Action Central News Team with Fred Mertz and Eleanor Rigby. What well, you can imagine after doing 15 of these, after doing 
60 of these after doing 120 of these and still having 100 more to go that the actors, like I said, were absolutely fried. And they had to do this over really just a a couple of days. Uh, That, I mean, they were like crawling out of the studio that day. So that was a MASH story, and uh, and this is a story about Cheers. This is the first year of Cheers, and NBC came to the cast and wanted them to do some promos for the network. And as opposed to MASH, where they were just audio promos that you would hear over the closing credits of the show, for this, the actors were going to be on camera. And this was season one, and I remember it was a particularly complicated episode, and we were there pretty late. There were a lot of pickups, and we finally finished filming the episode probably around 11.30, quarter of 12, something like that, and we still had all of these promos to go. And first was Shelley Long, and they gave her the list of what she had to say, and they put her in front of the camera, and they had her look right into the camera, and say, Monday night is going to be great on NBC. Tuesday night is going to be great on NBC. So she did a number of these promos, and she did a pretty nice job of it. And then it was time for Nick Colasanto, who played the coach, to do these promos. Now, what can I say about Nick Colasanto? I loved the man, absolutely loved him, and there was a good deal of the coach in Nick Colasanto. He always had trouble with lines. There were coach lines hidden underneath the the bar or behind the bar, uh, lines that, you know, for 11 years stayed there. But we said to the producer, you know, don't just give him a sheet of paper and have him do it. Probably the best thing to do is for you to be just off camera and feeding him the lines one by one. And they said, okay. So they gave him the first one and they said, uh, Thursday night is going to be great on NBC. And Nick looks right into the camera and goes, Thursday night is going to be great on NBC. We all went, wow, wow, he did a great job. He did a better job than Shelley, and Shelley's very professional. We were very impressed, and so was the NBC director. So he moved on. Friday night is going to be great on NBC. Nick looks into the camera and goes, Friday night is going to be great on NBC. And the director said, again. And Nick looks right into the camera and says, again. That's pretty much Nick Colasanto. When we return, we will meet Randy Thomas and find out what really did happen behind the scenes at the Oscar cast. But before we get to Randy, I want to introduce you to my newest sponsor, Wink, W-I-N-C, which is the world's first personalized wine club. Now, have you ever been 
in the wine aisle at your local store and you're just like staring at the massive selection of wine with no idea which bottle to choose. You just know, you know don't go with the square bottles because that's usually Manischewitz. But most of us will go with a bottle that has the best looking label and hope that it's going to be good. Well, the days of playing Russian roulette with your wine selections are over. Wink, and it is spelled W-I-N-C, is a revolutionary new wine club that takes the guesswork out of choosing your wine. They have a very simple six-question palate quiz that will match you with delicious, high-quality wine that you are guaranteed to love. And the best part is that Wink will actually ship your wine straight to your door No more going to the store and getting lost in the wine aisle. Want to try it? Well, here's an introductory offer to listeners of this podcast. You just go to wink.com, and again, that is W-I-N-C.com, and then type in slash Hollywood and get $22 off of your first order. And it gets even better because I know you all hate paying for shipping, so Wink will actually pay for your shipping on orders of four bottles or more. So... Once again, go to wink.com, type in slash Hollywood, and get $22 off your first order right now. That is wink.com slash Hollywood. I'm going to pour myself something right now. Hollywood and Levine. Randy Thomas makes her living with her voice. How many of you remember Hooked on Phonics? That was a radio campaign that you heard like on every station, every hour for like five years. And Randy Thomas was the voice of Hooked on Phonics. She has also been the booth announcer for eight Academy Award shows, including the one this last year. She's done five Emmy Award shows and she's done 19 Tony Award shows. She's also been the voice of Entertainment Tonight, done a ton of commercials. Uh, She's one of the best and one of the most successful voiceover artists around. And she really has a specialty in doing these live broadcasts. I mean, it's one thing to go in a studio and record a commercial and get a chance to do it over and over and over again. Well, She is on live television, seen or heard, in her case, by a billion people when she's doing the Academy Awards, and she's got only one chance to get it right. Recently, I had a chance to sit down and talk with Randy Thomas, and here's that conversation. Well, first, I have to ask you about the Oscars, because you were there this year, and with the fiasco that happened at the end... I want the inside dish as to what it was like. <laughs> what were you hearing in your headphones from the director and producer and everyone else when that whole brouhaha took place? Wasting no time getting right into the juicy stuff. That's right. So the Oscars, yeah, I, you know, you call it a fiasco. I guess at, in the moment it certainly was. I thought it made for fascinating live television. Thankfully, I had just finished my last live announce because we had heard that it was La La Land. And right, I and just, you did your thing for La I La said, Land. I said, you know, with uh-huh. a record 14 nominations, tonight <laughs> La La Land picks up seven Academy Awards for blah, 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 and Best Picture. 
And I thought, okay. And then a minute into it, by the time they got on stage, uh, Tina Canazaro DeBone, who works with me handling all the scripts, she writes all the winter walk-ups. She's like, what's happening? There's something going on. And we're like, oh, my God, what <laughs> the? And a lot of WTF. What? But what we weren't hearing a lot in our headphones. I think they were trying to assess what was happening. You know, is is moon? You know, who's the winner? Moonlight's the winner. Okay, you know, and it was kind of calm and matter of fact because it was all unfolding in real time on the stage, and we didn't have any more information than what was happening live. I was ready to go with my moonlight walk up <laughs> had they called for it, but really the action was on the stage, and uh, it was just an incredible moment. I thought Jordan Horowitz just stepped up to the plate. We didn't win. Moonlight, you won. Come on up here. Like, whoa. So when it was over, did anyone in the truck have a stroke or a heart attack? <laughs> it, it was just very quiet. I think uh, he may have turned off the PL. I don't remember really hearing anything. <laughs> I, I think we were all literally just gobsmacked. It had never happened. We thought we had just completed a pretty awesome show. I know I had done my It was my a good best. show this year, yeah. I thought Jimmy Kimmel was great, and we were about to hang it up, and then it changed everything, the whole vibe. I didn't. I went to the hotel next door, had a vodka, and gotten an Uber and went home. <laughs> I was done. I was over it. You didn't go to the La La Land party, huh? No parties. <laughs> and I'm sure being at them was just, that was probably all people talked about. Okay, so where were you located? I mean, did you have some kind of a booth? Were you in a truck across the street? I remember talking to Nielsen Ross, who once did the Emmys, who said he was in a broom closet one year. (laughs) Where do they actually situate you? I've been in worse. I'm actually in uh, a Jelco, one of those uh, trailer trucks behind the Dolby. Okay. Uh, There's the big truck that the director and everybody from the, the production is in. And as the announcer, I'm in another truck. We're watching it on a screen, just like you are at home. And that's it. It's it's not a very sexy job, the nuts and bolts of how I do what I do, but it is fun to be a part of these amazing broadcasts. So are you wearing a um, Versace gown <laughs> or are you wearing jeans and a halter top? Uh, very funny. How did you know? No. <laughs> I, um, I actually, this year... I was hoping to get a dress to wear, and then I would have walked the red carpet because Entertainment Tonight was going to shoot me. And I didn't get a dress. That didn't happen. So I thought, I'm just going to wear black pants and a black top, and I definitely couldn't go on the red carpet or to a ball. And it was almost like, how did she know this was the year? Don't even bother wearing the dress because I didn't have anything to wear. So I didn't even try to go to a party. So how do you prepare for the Oscars? I guess... uh big thing is learning how to pronounce each and every name. There's a lot of foreign names. It has Mm. to be kind of difficult. Incredible, especially this year, a tremendous amount. Uh, I don't know. You know, I'm pretty good at phonetics, as you may remember, Hooked on Phonics. phonics. (laughs) This is the Hooked on Phonics girl. (laughs) Call 1-800-ABCDEFG. So uh, I can look at names. Sometimes when they give me a phonetic, it actually messes with my mind. I can almost pick out the phonetics of a lot of names, Mm -hmm. and I ask them to put the phonetic to the side so that I can just read more fluidly. Uh, This year, I was really lucky. The Academy had asked me to do the nominations. 
So this is a really fun thing I did, Ken. Okay. I showed up the eve before the nominations are announced at 5.20 in the morning Pacific time. I was invited to check into the Academy offices on Wilshire. I had to hand over my phone, bring my pillow and a blanket. I went upstairs and I got the list. I saw who the nominees were. So you knew before everybody. Which was why they wouldn't let me leave. I had to spend (laughs) the night. Seriously. Even um, uh, the head of the Academy, Cheryl Boone Isaacs, they didn't tell her who the winners were or who the nominees were. She just read all of the nominees. And then they picked out the true nominees. That way she was able to leave. Do you know what I mean? The, all the potential nominees. Right, right. 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 Mm-hmm. So um, that was pretty interesting. Uh, I, so I got to spend the night with one of the Academy librarians who sat with me as we went through the pronunciation of every nominee for that next morning. So sitting with him for uh, at least an hour or two, we got through them all. Uh, I had a somewhat of a familiarity, but then there were lots of names that Casey Affleck. (laughs) (laughs) Really? That was your eighth one. My eighth Academy Award. So do you get nervous before each broadcast? Did you originally, but now you don't? Uh, Do you get all pumped up? What's it like at 4.59 p.m. (laughs) when you're going on live to a billion people in one minute? Wow. Well, I started out in radio, so there's a comfort factor for me that when I'm going to speak that I'm live and I'm used to hearing people sure. hearing me mm-hmm. live. So that's that's been one of those things that I wasn't super nervous about. Actually, the day of the show and when we're going live and you're watching everyone arrive in their gowns, the biggest celebrities and directors and producers in the world are all in that room. Uh, the room makes me a little... But yet, I think what happens for me is it's a very sobering thing to see exactly what it takes to make an Academy Awards happen. All of the people that that built the sets and, and got us to that moment. And then once the show goes live, every lighting guy, camera guy, graphics, everyone has to do their job perfectly to have a great show. So I really relate to being one of the cogs in the wheel. Like, it's not me. It's I'm just someone else that has to do their job right. perfectly to make a great show. And um, so I, I embrace that and I just go for it because, you know, you put your head down and you look up, it's almost four hours later. Have you ever messed up? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> One year, and I can't remember the name, it was uh, this foreign film, and they, it was a, a documentary, and they won, and when I said his name, I knew I had mispronounced it. And even though no one in the world would have known that I mispronounced right. this first-time documentary filmmaker that his was winning, wife knew. And, it, yeah. and I, and it was a couple, and I thought his mother's listening. I have to say it right, so I just backed up and I said, "That's you know, David Altschmuller or whatever it was, <laughs> you know." And I, I, I corrected it and I moved forward. So if you can catch one as it's happening. Um, that's one way. <laughs> uh, for me, it was good because even though I, I screwed up what otherwise would have been a great show, I felt really good that I honored that person in that moment. You have also been the voice of, I think, the best award show and probably the least watched award show, 
And that is the Tonys. And you've done that for, what, 19 straight years? Yeah, this will be my 19th year going back June 11th to Radio City. It's the best show. If you're ever in New York during Tony's time, you have to let me know because I'll bring you in for the rehearsal on Sunday morning. Cool. That is unbelievable. It's the full show. Every performance comes through. You know, here in L.A., there's something about the way that the actors here work. In New York... They're all part of this family, and they're all working eight shows a week, and um, comes time for the Tonys, they're all in, and they love it. It's a room filled with love. They're all performing at their best. If they don't win, they're still happy because it's someone they just were with in a different show, and they love them, and they're, it's really an incredible show, and Ricky Kirshner and Glenn Weiss, uh, Ricky's the producer, and Glenn, they co-produce, but Glenn directs it. They're an amazing team. Every year they want to raise the bar on those openings for the show. And um, they seem to accomplish it. Get a chance to hang out with Hugh Jackman and people like that? I have met Hugh and uh, his lovely wife. And I got to meet... You know, when we were doing the show after Lin-Manuel Miranda won for In the Heights the next year, he was just hanging out with us because he was writing the rap closing right, right, for which was uh, amazing. Neil Patrick. Yeah. So, and, you know, he's just Lin. He's just hanging out. You know, doesn't look any different than anyone in the production crew. You know, <laughs> He doesn't take himself too seriously. The nicest guy in the world. So, yeah, I love the Tony Awards. It's been a very special show in my life. Have you ever been at a restaurant and you're ordering and the <laughs> waiter goes, boy, I know that voice. Have, no. Have, no, it's never been recognized. Only if I'm really trying. <laughs> I'll have the steak au pavois. I don't know. <laughs> I'm See? getting very excited. <laughs> so you mentioned that you started in radio. Mm-hmm. And from what I understand, because a lot of people in radio eventually want to go on and do voiceover work, but when you do, the first thing they teach you is to forget everything you've learned in radio, right? <laughs> it's true. But for me, because I happen to find my niche in Live Announce, you know, everything I learned in radio works for me. And and actually doing promo, I think, works for me, uh, just having that radio background. But it's true, in the world of voiceover, they they want an actor, they don't want an announcer, they're making it more and more clear every day. Now, you had spent a lot of time, you lived in Fort Myers, Florida, mm-hmm. and you figure everybody's got to be in either New York or Los Angeles, you're here in L.A., How come you decided to make the move? Wow. Well, you know, it's. (laughs) I had a daughter later in life. We have one child, my husband and I. We're going on 33 years of marriage. Congratulations. Thank you. We're going to wait and celebrate, not in June, but in the fall. We're going to do our 33 and a third. (laughs) (laughs) Old album rock. That's true. You'll have to bring vinyl and come, Mm -hmm. okay? So, um, So, yeah, so my daughter was born... Uh, in 1997. And in 2000, we had built a home on the Gulf Coast of Florida. By 2003, she had finished kindergarten. And I thought, you know what? It's a digital world. Don LaFontaine was able to no longer get in a limo to go record his trailers and promos. And uh, this thing called ISDN came along and it allowed everyone to work from home. And I had an idea that I could leave L.A., move to Florida via ISDN and and continue to work. And I moved to Florida and within a year, Entertainment Tonight called me 
And I was under contract with them for nine years working from Fort Myers because they would need a voiceover at 7 a.m. Pacific time, but it was 10 a.m. on the East Coast. Sweet. So it worked out. No yeah. LAVO person wants to be at the mic at 7 a.m. So <laughs> I'll it, do it. <laughs> right? So it worked out for me. And... Um, I still work for them from time to time, but everything is changing. You know, those big shows don't seem to come along as often. Um, there's a lot more little work that you have to take now as a, a, a voice actor, especially if you excel in what I do, which is promo and live announce. Um, but I decided to come back because that little girl that we took out of kindergarten is now a sophomore at USC. So <laughs> she's here and I am that helicopter mom. She you know, I'm here wherever, wherever she is. I want to be, and uh, leaving Florida was a good thing. It's been That's a, good a good year thing so she far. Didn't go to Kansas. <laughs> <laughs> really, I think I'd have stayed in Florida <laughs> if she went to Kansas. Now, a lot of people want to get into voiceover work, um, and you teach mm-hmm. voiceover. Some basic tips for people who say, hey, I think I got a great voice. Let me go into voiceover work. Well, I think you have to first get a professional assessment of the vocal quality that you have and what your range might be. And and if you really wanted to do this work, where you might be best suited. You know, there's animation, people who have funny voices or can do different types of character things, Mm -hmm. animation and video games. Um, If you do promo, that's more that promo trailer. Uh, It's it's really specific messaging. In a world. Yes. And it also, tonight, on an all-new episode, you know, it's that sort of thing. So that's a different... Uh, skill set than the people that stand in front of a microphone and do commercials, and they're a different person every time. Um, so you have to figure out what area of voiceover. There's a ton of online narration. Now, if I had come out of, say, um, you know, the jet propulsion labs, and I was already retired, but I had a young voice and I had taken care of myself, there is so much online narration that is that technical that you could literally have a second career. Yeah, you know, it used to be that you needed that big, deep voice. Yeah. And now, not about clowns like me can even <laughs> get, get Yes, you too can also have a <laughs> career right. in voiceover. I sound young. <laughs> <laughs> you do. Don't you feel that that is one of your... Uh, your um, benefits of of living this young mental lifestyle? I think so, too. It's a strength now. It wasn't when I was young and everybody wanted those deep voices. Right. But But you do sports announcing, right? Yeah, I know. Even with this voice. (laughs) (laughs) Because you're in it. You, You know, you're telling stories. You're... Yeah, you're keeping us interested in the game. So it's really not about a type of voice anymore. It's about what would really, um, you know, uh, fulfill you. What kind of voice? Because it's not easy and it's very competitive. But if you find that you have a great need to be heard and you have an avenue of 
uh, voiceover that you'd like to pursue, you know, there are lots of people that can help you. I have an annual event called Voiceover Mastery, which sometimes that sounds intimidating, like, oh, do I have to be a master to come? No, I bring the masters to Voiceover Mastery. And some people can benefit from being a fly on the wall, you know, and and learn a great deal that way. Other people really need a lot of one-on-one training. Other people do well in group training. So um, it depends on you know, what their goals are, what their budget is. You have to create demos. It's There's a big commitment to wanting to have a career in voiceover, learning how to market yourself and do all of those things once you have a demo in place and once you've trained enough to say, yes, I'm going to do this. And then you also have a home studio where you've learned how to record, edit, and, you know, send audio back to clients. There's a lot that goes into it, but um, I think it's... You know, I think it's a great way to make. Well, a you living. certainly have an enthusiasm. It comes through in your voice. It does. <laughs> if somebody wants to uh, inquire about that mm-hmm. that weekend class, how would they do it? Oh, great! Well, randythomasvo.com is my website. So that's Randy R A N D Y T H O M A S V O for voiceover dot com is my website, and Randy Thomas presents takes you to the voiceover mastery site, and you can see. But I think there's actually going to be a button on my website that'll take you there. Uh, they could follow me on Twitter, Randy Thomas V O, and my Instagram is Randy Thomas V O. Trying to keep the brand consistent. <laughs> well, I follow you. Thank you very much for the visit. Now, normally, I end a segment by saying. Coming up, more on Hollywood and Levine, but I'll let you do it. Coming up next, more on Hollywood and Levine. So that will do it for this edition, episode 15. Thanks very much to Adam Butler, to Susie Meister Butler, Howard Hoffman, John Wolford, and Randy Thomas, and of course you guys for listening. Once again, if you haven't already, please subscribe. And I know it's shameless, but they tell me it's very important. Uh, if you could see within your heart to give this podcast a five-star review, I sure would appreciate it. I will see you again next time. Thanks so much for listening. Hollywood.